Hello and welcome to episode 30 of That's What People Do. We are back. Uh, you've got me, you've got James. We're at James's place today. Good and talk. So be aware, we're at James's. James has a dog. And Woody is a bit temperamental. He's not the best fan of me for some reason. He's currently growling. I think he's stopped now. So you may hear him throughout the episode, but be... That's fine, that's fine. I hope you like dogs. If you don't like dogs, get off this show. We don't want you. Uh, so yeah, we're back. Episode 30, recording day today. We've got four episodes to bring throughout the next month, so look forward to those. But today we are going to be talking about a very, very famous lady called Harriet Tubman. Now, uh, I say famous lady, you may or may not have heard her, particularly in Britain. I don't think she's as big a name here. But I believe in America, she's quite the name. I saw a tweet earlier, funny enough, literally earlier today, that there's a bank in America that are putting her on like debit cards or credit cards. $20 notes. Is it? So, and there's um, a big uproar about it. Big uproar because she's not been put on the $20 note. Oh, really? I think she was due to be put on the $20 note. That was the intention. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember who she was replacing. I don't know. Who who do you have on a $20 note in America? Let us know. Is it Benjamin Franklin? Probably some white dude. Um, yeah, yeah, it is a white dude. Uh, he's white and he's a man um, <laughs> so yeah they were going to put Harriet Tubman on there instead but for some reason they've decided not to do that and keep the guy that was on it already right as you read I'll try and find the tweet because I know how to find it That's yeah definitely it. look it up have a little google who was Harriet Tubman supposed to be on who is on the $20 note now I don't know okay so are we ready for Harriet Tubman we are good stuff okay uh, disclaimer I've got to put it out there now um Harriet Tubman is big. Uh, there's a lot of um, things to do with slavery in this episode. I am not a historian, nor is James a historian. Um, we do our best to research these episodes as best we can um, with the limited time that we have. Um, so if there's things that I miss or if there's things that I don't go over in so much detail, uh, I'm sorry. Um, these episodes are not in sort of intended to offend in any way we are here just to talk about harriet tubman and sort of enjoy the fact that she existed and that she, all the good things she did so that's what i'm just going to go over and that's what i'm focusing on not the outer stuff just her really so now we've got that out of the way let's crack on okay because this could be potentially inflammatory <laughs> right so harriet tubman she was born araminta ross uh her nickname was minty which i think is quite cute that's a nice name yeah um, and this is how I'll refer to her for the time being, Minty. Minty. Okay. okay. So she was born into slavery. Okay. Her parents, Harriet and Ben Ross, were both slaves to the Brodus family plantation in Dorchester County, Maryland. Her mother worked as a cook and her father was a woodsman. Uh, technically, Ben was a free man in the legal sense. Right. Um, but his wife was still a slave and had options... Um, to buy her out of slavery. You could buy yourself out of slavery, but you were never paid enough. Like, yeah, it would take yeah. fucking It took a long-ass time to do that stuff. So, yeah, it could happen, and people did buy themselves out of slavery, but it, it takes decades, yeah. literally. Um, her options were very, very limited because she was still a slave at the time. There's only so much Ben can save up to get her out. Yeah. I think he, he worked at another plantation uh, sort of across the way. Um this happened quite a lot with families. They got split up. Right. Like mothers and fathers got sent off to different places to work and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, they were. He he worked away quite a lot at the other plantation, but could come back and live um, with with uh, the mother Harriet right. and the kids and stuff now and then. Um, but yeah. 
So usually um, I would then go on to say what year said person would be born. Um, but uh, there's a bit of a problem here. Most slave owners didn't keep very detailed records about those that worked under them. Yeah. Um, mm. And this is the same with Minty. So while we can't be sure of an exact date, most historians put her birth sometime around the early 1820s. Cool. Okay. I think her, I think her, like her gravestone says something different, and then her birth certificate says something different completely. So like, right. it, and then she says something different to even those. Harriet Tubman himself said, like, I think it was like 1925. She said, okay, it was like there's like four or five dates floating around. Yeah, no one really knows which one's right. the one. So around 1820, she was born. So she was the fifth of nine children. Although she would not grow up with all of them, unfortunately. So the Brodess family that owned them uh, sold three of her sisters to another owner. Because that was right. a thing. Yeah. You just, just sell people. Sell fucking people. It's disgusting. Uh, you're going to hear me like just slam on this shit a lot <laughs> today in this yeah. episode. Um, they even tried to come for her youngest brother. But her mother, Harriet, did everything she could to make sure no more of her children were taken away. She did things like hiding him around other homes and like uh, uh, houses and bits and bobs mm-hmm. um, and did that for a good couple of months, like just hid him. Yeah. Um, eventually, the Brodus family backed down um, and Harriet's son stayed. Okay. It was a kind of, this kind of fight was um, imprinted into Minty's mind. This thing, so this sort of stuff stayed with her. And as she grew up, it was more like, a, oh, you can fucking argue back somewhere like yeah. you, there are ways of getting in and saying something against this shit like her mother um confronted the family when they were still looking for him and said that she would split the head open of anyone who comes near her son brutal like, I like it you know they always joke about like um in nature like mothers and cubs yeah. never never come between a cub and a mother yeah because they will just go fucking berserker mode yeah like humans do the sort of same thing like with their kids they will fucking do mental crazy shit. Yeah, like mothers can have like super strength when their kids are in need. 100%. Like, I know my mum would be like that. She was a single parent. So like, he was almost heightened yeah. to a level. Um, like anyone went near a kid, she's like, get the fuck away. Like kind of sort of stuff. Also, I showed my girlfriend this uh, the other week. Have you seen um, dad reactions? Or is it like yeah, dad reflexes? dad reflexes. That's insane. So let us know if this is a case but I'm, I'm sure when you become a dad you get superpowers yeah and your reflexes become like spider-man's like if your kid is falling you will fucking look up it. look up on youtube dad reflexes and see some of the insane reflexes these dads have got <laughs> you've got kids that are like f- just about to fly off a swing and smack their head on the floor and their dad just like backflips and catches the kid <laughs> and then like flings it back up onto his shoulders and stuff it's insane what parents can do for their children and how much they'll fight for them Although, you know, we've had, we have spoke about some bad people whose parents aren't like uh, that. Oh, yeah, we do have bad parents, for sure. <laughs> like fucking Charles Manson's mother. Yeah, it was like, her mum, not good. Some people just aren't born think, with that. Do you ever watch Little Britain? Yeah. Do you think that was a, a, like maybe a thro- like a, a hit or a throw back to like Manson when Vicky Pollard sells her child for a Westlife CD? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> she's like, she has a... She's, so if you haven't seen, Little Britain is a comedy sketch show in like the early 2000s in Britain called little britain uh and on it they had this character called vicky pollard and she was like the stereotypical chav council housed council housed anti-social behavior i think that's what it was. no wait what was chav, chav council house and violence that's the one council house and violence um 
so yeah, she's dressed up in like tracksuit bottoms. She's you know she doesn't go to school very often. She was just this generic stereotype, and she's like she's had a child very young, and a social worker comes in to like see her, and she's like, "Vicky, where's your child?" And she's like, "I swapped it for a Westlife CD." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "What the fuck? You can't do that." Uh, so yeah, there are some people out there that are not as I don't know maternal, maternal, paternal. Anyway, Harriet certainly was. All right, she weren't fighting. She weren't going down without fight. So, now, uh, we're only a few minutes in. Already we've seen one horror of the slave trade. Yeah. Um, children, you know, being ripped from their families and sold, never to be seen again on some occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, even, like, families, like parents, mother, father, being sold to other plantation owners, and the, that's it, marriage gone. Dad's yeah. gone, mum's gone. Fuck. Like, that shit's horrible. And I can't even understand how this was allowed to happen. I don't get it. Unfortunately, this has become the norm during this time period. Um, was not only uh, was, uh, was not the only horrific thing to have happened during this awful stain in history. Okay, but first, I want to briefly go over the history of slavery. Again, right, okay. cheeky little disclaimer: I'm not a historian. We are not historians, and we have done our damnedest best with the limited time we have to get this done and do it kind of right. Okay, yeah. so right, don't hate me. If I get anything wrong or if I miss anything out or if I go over stuff or just blase through little bits, okay? I'm, you know, talking about Harriet Tubman here, just going over a brief history here. So, as far back as ancient Egypt, humans have enslaved others of their own species, okay? From ancient Greeks to Romans, African kingdoms to Vikings, they have all enslaved those they deem to be inferior to them and forced them to do their bidding, reaping financial benefits, making them do agricultural or domestic tasks. And when neither job would be suitable, they would sell them on. Now, either way, they always got something from slavery, but none of these compare to the sheer size and brutality that was the Atlantic slave trade. Okay, mm-hmm. so... I know later on in like two episodes time, we're going to talk about Christopher Columbus. And that is about the Atlantic slave trade. And we are sort of going to see yet yeah, the, 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 the origins of where this sort of starts. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, from about 1500 to 1880, somewhere between 10 and 12 million Africans were forcibly moved from their native homeland to the Americas, with 15% of those dying on the journey alone. Fifteen uh, percent of twelve million is quite a lot. Yeah, um, on on the Columbus episode, we talk about the first slave voyage. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Well, where they ended up differed over time, but forty-eight percent went to the Caribbean, forty-one percent went to Brazil, and around five percent ended up in the United States of America. Now, one big thing that gets misconstrued is that Europeans somehow just wandered onto the west coast of Africa, run around the plains, captured people and then sent them in slavery. Yeah. That's not necessarily the case. I'm sure there were some kidnappings now and then. Um, that's that, that's definitely throughout human history. People get kidnapped, or it's yeah. like um, uh, the, the losers of war and that sort of stuff get taken in. But for the most part, Africans were captured by other Africans and then traded to Europeans for goods like metal tools, fabrics, textiles, uh, weaponry, such as guns and the like. Um, And this is traditionally kingdoms. So like uh, one particular kingdom has had a war with another kingdom 
and in return they've taken all the uh, the losers of that war and those people that they would say well they're inferior to us because they lost the war they're not as good as us da, 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 da. we'll take these people as slaves and they can do our bidding and then when sort of europeans come around and was like look we'll take those people off your hands for all of this gear and they yeah. were like okay that benefits us like mutually trade like that benefits us and the kingdom go for it take them um so just like this kept african kingdoms in power it really did help so you've got other kingdoms starting to battle it out between other ones because getting trade from these very wealthy countries in europe definitely benefits so there was more of an incentive almost to like just have a war against another one and take over their people and make them slaves as well we can sell them on get loads more shit and then keep doing it um so yeah this really did help keep african kingdoms in power until colonial europe decided it wanted to have it anyway i mean yeah (laughs) which is definitely a thing it was just like like European superpowers, colonial powers just went, I want that. And they took it. Yeah. That Which is crazy. European. The, the whole colonial time, that colonial history, time of history is mental. The fact that um, Africa, the continent itself was just like, seen as a giant fucking chessboard. And they yeah. were like, I'll have that. Yeah. I'll have that. I mean, France I'll took have a that. fucking large part of it. Eh? France took a large part. Yeah, England France, took a large part. Belgium with the fucking yeah. Congo. And the, the shit that happened in the Congo is crazy. Um, That's but, why like, a lot of African-speaking like countries will speak English, will speak French. Exactly, yeah. It all harks back from those colonial days. Yeah. Although I think there was like one... I, I Forgive me for getting this wrong, but I know there was just what there was one African nation who decided to take their name back to their old post, uh, post-colonial name. And I, I can't remember which country it was, but they decided to do that, um, which is cool. Yeah. I like that, like get in touch with your history and your own heritage and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, you get a lot of people speak Italian... French, yeah. like Algerians speak French, don't they? Yeah, um, which why Spanish. like a lot of the French national team have Algerian, like they are part Algerian. Yeah, because like, who is like uh, Benzema? Oh Christ, He's yeah, part, part Algerian. That's right, and um, uh, Mares, Riyad yeah. Mares for Man City. He's um, oh, what is it? where's Mares from? Algeria. Yeah, of course he is. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's why we're talking about Algeria. Fucking, of course. Anyway, I might edit I that out. Took... I might not. <laughs> you said it, and I was like, James has just said this. Why is it not sinking in my head? Oh, Algeria. Shit. Yeah, Algeria. Footballers. Uh, okay, so now we I just want... lost all of the American listeners there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I've got into American football. I oh, I try. I really try. I watch the Super Bowl, and I'll sit there and go, "Yay, sport!" Yeah. But I, like that was it for me. Americans, the fucking the season's too short. It is too There's short. too many fucking weeks. adverts. Yeah. I don't know how the fucking league works. Yeah. Now, I watched the the Super Bowl, mm. and I, I was like, ah, oh, you know... That it, was a good it, game. That was a really well, good game. Yeah, so this is the thing. It started at like half 11 in UK time, and I was like, ah, do you know what? Like, I've got work in the morning. This is fine. I'll just sit and watch this. It went up to like three in the fucking morning, Yeah. and I don't know how, but I managed to stay out for the whole thing. Yeah. I was absorbed, it was in th- totally absorbed. I watched the year before as well, where it was Patriots versus LA Rams, and right. that was just fucking boring. Well, this was the first I've ever watched, and I was hooked, right? Um, and now I'm just totally into it. And I'm like, right, 17 weeks. Literally, I was like, right, well, when's the next fucking game? When can I watch it? Fucking September. Away. What? They're, September? They're, they're it's se- fucking February. And it was like, yeah, sh- the season's only 17 weeks. I was like, what the fuck? Football seasons in the UK are like from August the end of August to, to the May. end of May. Yeah. Like, it's half a bloody year. Like, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, but yeah, I'm totally into it. And I'm even sport. going to go play it now. 
Oh fuck! Yeah, you're gonna end up in a fucking <laughs> a wheelchair. Of, a friend of mine actually plays American football and uh, was like, "Why don't you come down and train with us and like play?" And I was like, "Do you know what? I will." So, so which team have you decided to support? Well, into I, I well, I'm sorry we've gone on such a tangent here, but I know we have American listeners. So I'm I'm sure you may appreciate a Brit really getting into your game now. Um, in the UK, you support your dad's football team. That sort they're of, just who you're brought up with, yeah. It's who you're unless bro- you're a glory yeah. supporter, but they get shunned. Yeah, unless you're a glory hunter, you support the team that your family supports, okay? Yeah. Now, if your family doesn't support any particular team, it's usually the first team you watch that wins. Yeah, and that's normally your local team. Yeah, exactly, right? So, like, for my dad, his, his family were all West Ham fans. Now, when he first went to a West Ham game, unfortunately, they played Man United. Right. And Man United absolutely spanked them. Yeah. And so, when, he's, when he then went to his dad, sorry, you want me to support this team? <laughs> no, I don't think so. And then was a Man United fan for the rest of his life. Yeah. For me, my first ever football game, American football game, is Kansas City versus uh, the 49ers. So who did you go for? The so league? I've gone for Kansas City because they fucking the won. Right, so I've okay. gone for the winners. But I don't see that as glory hunting because that's my first ever game. The American football changes so often. And but I know apart, nothing about it. There's the two Patriots. different leagues. Did you know that? There's two different leagues yeah, and they play together. Yeah. And then they don't play together. Two different leagues, but they're not like... You know how we have in football the Premiership and then like League One, yeah, uh, the, like below, pre- the Premiership, then the Championship, yeah. and like somehow the Championship players are not as good as the Premier League players. Yeah. Whereas like in um, in the American Football League, they've got like the AFC and the CFC. I think that's right. And they're two different leagues, but they're both all like of the same caliber of players. They play themselves and then they split over in the playoffs. It's so confusing. We're going to spend way too long talking about this. It is bizarre. I don't like. I, I, I'll watch it and smile, but I don't get it. I'm supposed to be talking about slavery here, and we're somehow talking about the fucking. I support LA Rams for some reason. Interesting. I think again because that was the first team I. That's fair. That's fair. Sure. Now let's get back to slavery. Let's somehow try and get it back. I want to make clear here: Europeans uh, captured and sold other Europeans as well. Yeah, they still um, do. And they've got a long fucking history of it. Yeah. So, like I said, as far back as these ancient Greeks, Greeks have been enslaving other Greeks. Greeks have been enslaving other people. Romans enslaved like Brits. Egyptians were fucking famous Celts. for it. Egyptians were famous for it with fucking Moses and the Israelites and whatever. Yeah. Um, I say Romans have literally enslaved all of fucking Europe at one point. Yeah. Um, Spartans. The only reason Sparta was able to actually exist the way it did was because of slavery. Yeah. They in, they enslaved all those people to do their domestic work so that they could just go off and fight fight, yeah. and just be Gerard Butler. Yeah. <laughs> Without slavery, Spartan way of life would never have happened and we wouldn't know them as they are today, that kind yeah. of shit. So yeah. Europeans got a long fucking history of it. And even at that point, Europeans were still buying and selling human beings. Italian merchants sent thousands of Armenians and Georgian slaves to Italy in around 1204. Mm. This is like sort of crusader time as well. Yeah. So... There are also cases of the British kidnapping white Britons and Irish people and poor people and those deemed to be having no prospects. There were air quotes here as well. We're like, no prospects. And forcing them to work in the Caribbean. I will, however, note that these people were forced into indentured servitude for a fixed period. And so they had some kind of legal documents that gave them an end in sight. So they were like... You're not going to get paid. Some, like You won't get paid. You're going to live here. I'll give you food. You won't get paid. But you have an end in sight. Yeah. You can work towards that. Whereas like African slaves, they did not have an end in sight. They were not seen as human for a lot of people. Um, so, yeah. Imagine totally that now different. someone came up to you and went, you're going to go work in the Caribbean. And nowadays, people are like, all right, 
Yeah, if someone said that to me, like, y- you're going to Barbados. And we're going to pay for your food and accommodation. And here's your end date. I mean, that's essentially a fucking camp, isn't it? That's what people do. Yeah, I suppose you're right. It's like Butlin's, Butlin's red coats. Yeah, I imagine... Here's the, accommodation and food. I can't imagine the conditions were fantastic. No, Butlin's is not as bad as the... Slave trade. Uh, slave trade, yeah. Close, but not quite. Close. <laughs> um, so, yeah, European coloni- uh, colonies in the Americas were cultivating things like tobacco, sugarcane, and cotton, primarily. Yeah. Uh, this was properly labour-intensive work, and their solution to the burden of wages was to enslave the natives of these lands to work for them, as I'm sure you'll go over with our Columbus episode coming up. Yes. Um, however... There was not enough natives or settlers to even cultivate the huge amounts demanded. Uh, and in the US, Native Americans either died from new diseases or resisted slavery through fighting. This was a huge fucking thing when the Europeans came to the Americas and were like, you're going to fucking work for us. They were like, shit, yeah. okay, who the fuck are you? And then, wait, why is half my population just died? It's such a shame as well, because like, as I'll get into in that episode, like, the the inhabitants of the Americas were so welcoming. Oh, they were, Christ, they were really yeah. excited about these new people. Yeah. And then the new people turned up and were like, oh my God, hey. Yeah. And then all of a sudden just killed them. I think one of the Columbus ones, they like swam out to meet them. Yeah, yeah, literally the first and time. Like, they were what really... the fuck? These people are so nice. It's and not like, like Come, it's not food. like North Sentinel Island. You don't just get fucking bum and arrowed if you even look at them. Yeah. Like these were really nice people and you just enslaved them all because they were wearing a bit of gold around the fucking nose rings. You're like, oh man, fuck you. Fuck, yeah. fuck Europeans, man, for doing this shit. Um, and the diseases, man. Because, like, I mean, it's the same. Like, coronavirus going on right now. Topical. We might not have next month's episode. We might be dead. I, I, am at, I think I'm at more risk than James's right now because sure. uh, we had the first case in London this week at the time of recording. I was just on the Tube Network, which, as we know, harbours... Many, many diseases yeah. with hundreds of thousands of people. And my new job, I've been working at Heathrow Airport, which I had only the other day a couple of people come through with quarantine for uh, coronavirus. So if I'm not here next month, you know why? Yeah, my brother is, works at a fucking tourist attraction. And they've had, like, meetings and, like, it's, like, mad. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's scary, like... But it's not, like, this is, like, seven, anyway, at the minute, it's, like, seven people in this country, seven, eight people in this nine. country. Nine. Nine people in this Four. country, 11 in France, I think, and one man just died today. But he was he was an eighty year old man. You're more like, and he was a tourist from China. He'd come from China. He'd contracted it there. He came to to France as a tourist and died here. Had I think a heart, a lung problem. Yeah, his lung gave out. If your immune system's already fucked, remember swine flu? Oh Christ! Yeah, my sister. I think my sister had it. I had swine flu, and I looked it up the other day. Two hundred thirty-three thousand people died. Damn! And all I did was lie in bed for two weeks. But the thing is, they always say, like, it's always the youngest and the oldest and those with the weakest immunes are the ones yeah. that get d- killed off. Like, we're in our physical prime. Like, we're fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm 26, putting on a beer belly. <laughs> it's all going right. Actually, that's a lie. I'm not getting a beer belly. I don't really drink that much. It's just fat. Yeah, it's just, it's just fat from belly. foods. Oh, pizza belly. I had three pieces last night. Anyway, right. Let's get back to so this. So many tangents. So many tangents. tangents from my episodes. Joe, you know it was. I think it's because this is the first episode and we haven't seen each other for a month. Yeah, so we have to get the conversation out like, as well. It's just coming out. It's just like as, a as month's worth the, of As stuff. the episodes go on, it'll just be shorter and shorter because yeah. we just stick to the script. So, um, the slave trade enriched kings. Well, African kings and kingdoms in particular. Yeah. Um, well, no, that's a lie. Well, no, it's not a lie. It did, but I'm not trying to deflate other people. So, like, Europeans 
definitely fucking benefited from it as well. Like they made shitloads of money yeah, from sure. it. There's a reason why they did it. It was just financially viable for them. So Europeans uh, had this insatiable need for more and more and more. Particularly when you look at like you've got empires building at this point. Particularly, I think at this point in time, the Spanish Empire is the biggest. This has got an insatiable appetite for cotton, tobacco, all this sort of shit going on. Yeah. And um, to keep up with demand, uh, kingdoms, particularly in Africa, changed criminal sentences. Uh, so instead of just like sending them away for a little while, putting them in prison, it was like, no, go into slavery. Yeah. Fuck. Um, they'd just like capture people who they thought were lesser. You're going to slavery. And then also there was justifications for war. It was like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> it's like, they haven't done anything. And then it's like, he looked at me funny. <laughs> war, you're all going to slavery. That was how it went. Um, so after being forced marched to forts on the coast, slaves had their heads shaved to prevent lice and then were branded, which I imagine fucking hurts, man. Yeah, fuck. That's going to kill. It's hot. I mean, you just got a tattoo done, and I imagine that, like, that. I know that hurts a little bit, but being branded is fucking... Yeah, it's not good. That's horrible, right. man. They were then loaded onto ships heading for the Americas. Now, we've all seen diagrams of these ships uh, where we learnt about this in school. Yeah. You know, like, there's a picture, it's like a ship, and there's just loads of people fucking laying down. Yeah. Now, I can remember thinking, how is it possible to get that many people on a ship? But it really did happen you like that. You just them, like, top to tail. Fucking, yeah. They top and tailed them. Ships could cram up to 600 slaves on board, and the conditions they lived in were horrendous. Some ships were so cramped, those on board were packed in, lying next to each other, and were unable to even turn over. They were literally, like, spooning one another. But this is not good spooning. Yeah. They can't fucking move. So sometimes they're pissing and shitting where they're laying, which means disease comes about as well. Yeah. It's disgusting, right? Some had space to sit up, but rarely enough to even stand in some having more than five by four foot i'm six foot yeah you know i i wouldn't be able to stand the ship was so hot and stuffy it was the perfect environment for diseases to just go rampant many died of sickness and were simply just thrown overboard which actually i read for like um apparently it's like a um uh what's the word i'm looking for like a, a guy who had actually done the journey as a slave was yeah. saying like how weird it was because it was like well for us there's a whole burial rites and there's a whole ritual that goes with it for us in our culture and these people just flinging them overboard into the water yeah um and also i think i think i may write about this at some point um but like for a lot of these inland tribes some of them hadn't seen the sea so much yeah. like they don't go there very often so it's just this just empty of vastness of fuck all. Yeah. So now now all of a sudden they're on a fucking ship on it. Yeah. And people are just being thrown off it. Yeah. And they disappear. You're like, what the fuck? That, that, I mean, that, that must have been crazy. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I need to find out where I was now. Um, men and women, they were separated. Men were all chained up together downstairs primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was either a porthole or a bucket for going to the loo in, um, but with such diseases, these would fill up pretty damn fucking quickly. Yeah, sure. As the men were chained together, you couldn't always get to the bucket in time. And imagine that, like, 
you just some, like some, a lot of it you know, might say you got diarrhea or something you just sat there and you're like I need to get to the bucket fuckers asleep you're like get the fuck up move yeah. I need to go and you might not make it and then you get to the bucket it's already full it's yeah. already fallen over everyone else has just been crapping on top of that as well it's really disgusting conditions that these people have been put in although the, the intention is to get them there alive yeah so the conditions are uh, quotes livable for some yeah. for some but like they're horrendous still horrendous conditions but they're like well they can make it and i think the justification is like well if some of them can make it that's enough yeah they probably put more people on than they needed yeah with the anticipation that, anticipation that some of them would fucking die um so by the time the ships got to the destinations the stench was so potent that people could smell the ships before they even saw them apparently fucking that was a hell. thing yeah they were that bad so many actually ended their own lives in fear of what will happen to them, believing that in death their soul would return home. So the idea was that the, you know the sooner I fucking do it, the better. Yeah. Um, f- uh, for exercise, men were made to dance on the deck, which was a little bit uh, humiliating for a lot of them as well. They're just mm. like dan- dancing is a fucking happy thing, man. Yeah. Like you, it might be a ritual, or it might be like a thing that you do to express whatever, and these fuckers have just been like, just dance, come on, move, dance, like get moving yeah. you know um this served to say to humiliate them but women and children had it a little better uh, they were kept above deck for most parts right. as they were seen as less of a threat than the men but this did not mean that they had an easier time of it they were regularly uh, abused somewhat sexually sometimes by crewmen which right. you know just fully traumatizes them so once they reached their destinations and in this instance we are focusing on the u.s what happened in brazil the caribbean sort of we're not going to focus on that now yeah traders would then sell them on to plantation owners who would often brand them again making them now as property they would be then set to work and this is where we will come back to young minty right her grandmother was one of those who had been transported from africa to america we don't know much else about her except the fact that she was just too old to work by the time Minty was around. So yeah, okay. that's that's about as much as we know about her. So this is a world that Minty was born into. Okay, this is now kind of years on. This is now normal. This is what happens. Okay. Born into slavery, she would spend most of her young infancy looking at her younger siblings and looking after them uh, around sort of six. Like Because her mum's going off into the house to do work a yeah. lot of the time. So it's just her and even the younger kids and she has to look after them at such a young age like make sure they're fed yeah behaving all that kind of stuff and at six years old she was now deemed old enough to work uh, in a household looking after the baby of a friend of the owners uh, her job was to you know cradle care for the child basically out of sight out of mind mentality just make sure the kid don't fucking cry that kind yeah. of shit if the child cried at all she'd be whipped and on one occasion she was whipped five times before morning was even over mm. uh this kid's like six you know other jobs included checking muskrat traps uh in the marshes they're like a fucking rodent yeah that hang around the big big fucking rodent this was a grubby job that risked disease every day and eventually she grew strong enough that she was then put into the fields driving oxen plowing fields moving logs all that kind of shit yeah so the Brodus family did not have these huge plantations that you've got in your mind, you know, sort of like like Calvin Big Candy. Big manor houses. Yeah, yeah. Calvin Candy, uh, Django Unchained, not that. They didn't have that. They had kind of a relatively small farm. Yeah. Um, so it was not big enough to keep all the slaves working. So the family frequently hired 
their slaves out to other farms to do work, which yeah. you know made sense for them. They were making money out of these people. So while Minty claimed that the Brodus family were never unnecessarily cruel, other slaveholders she was sent to for work could be, quotes, tyrannical and brutal to the utmost limit of their power. Yeah. So on one occasion, when Minty was a teenager, she was sent to a shop to pick up supplies. Harmless job. Can't get much wrong there. But while there, another slave had left the fields without permission and was nearby. Oh, dear. The slaveholder had been chasing this guy. He then demanded that Minty help to apprehend this guy. Something she, like something in her head was, would have been triggered. And I think it would probably have something to do with her mother. Just being like, when her mother was defending her son. And was like, anyone comes fucking near him, I'll cut his fucking head off. That yeah. kind of shit. That must have been going through her head. Something like that. That was like, this was like a turning point for her. And she was just like, no, no, I'm not helping you. So she refused, point blank, just refused. Um <clears throat> So angry, naturally, the yeah. slaveholder grabbed a two-pound weight and threw it at her, which struck her in the head, in right. the temple. And um, for the rest of her life, she suffered with uh, seizures because of it. Yeah. Um, Fuck. Yeah, random bouts of unconsciousness would just happen. She'd just faint. Yeah. Which I think is like some sort She's of narcolepsy-like. Yeah, yeah she, she had sort of minor brain damage from that. She had quite a few seizures which she collapsed and whatever. She slept quite a lot because of it. Like, I think maybe the internal body clock might have been fucked and she yeah. just didn't know when to wake up, so she just sleep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she often, she often got called lazy because, obviously, nobody knew what the fuck was wrong with her. Yeah. Now we can look back at it. And even, like, you and me, who aren't fucking doctors, have some sort of, like, I like, have some sort of idea that we can say, maybe it's this, maybe it's yeah. that. Whereas, like, back then it was like, she's just fucking lazy. She sleeps all the time. That kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, as I say, it's now thought she'd developed some sort of epilepsy from the attack that she received. These seizures would play a big part in her life. Um, so during seizures, she would claim that she was having visions from God. I see a lot of this in like history, and we've spoke about a couple of people where they have like visions, mm. or like they have a like, and it's just like dude's got epilepsy, or like they're having a fit, yeah. and in that fit, their mind is just going mental. Maybe that's the wrong word to use, but it's going crazy. I don't know if that's better. Uh, and in in that, they're like, I had a vision from God. And it's like, I don't know if you did, because quite a lot of people were just very religious back then. Yeah. And so, like, it just made sense that their brains would conjure that up. Yeah, it's whatever's in your subconscious, I guess. Like, if you was to ask Joe Rogan, what's, what visits you? What happens when you go through your trances? He'd tell you, he's like, oh, I'm in an alternate dimension, and like I can see what the fucking universe is doing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but if this was like 200 years ago, you'd just say it was God. Yeah, for sure. Because you have no other understanding. 100% that's definitely what it is. It's yeah. like with Moses in the burning bush. And it's like, I think... It's just he, probably, a, he was probably fucked, like, high. I guarantee he was fucking high. Yeah. Or, the bush, that, bush on fire. or the bush that was on fire. Because, like, there's quite a lot of opiates in that region yeah, of the world. Probably... What if it was a fucking opiate bush or whatever? Fire, and then yeah. he's just getting high off of it. And he's like, fuck, man, this bush is talking to me. Yeah. That makes <laughs> Kill your son. No, it's Abraham, isn't it? It's Abraham with the burning bush. And it's like, kill your son. And he's like, oh, yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, And he's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> he's like, kill your son for me. And then when he gets to the top, he's like, no, you don't have to. Yeah. I think mean, that's crazy. It's like, kill your son to prove that you love me. Um, it's like when okay. it's that Family Guy sketch when they're walking down, his son turns to him. What goes, the fuck was that about? What the fuck was that? What was that about? That's crazy. Like, surely you could be like, right, I'm sorry, dude, but you, no, my son's quite precious to me. How could you even ask me to do that? And then he's like, 
but he's about to do it and then a the fucking angel has come in he's like whoa bro stop <laughs> <laughs> it was just a joke <laughs> I just wanted to see if you'd do it <laughs> God's crazy man God we, we, I, wanna, I think I might talk about God in one episode <laughs> an episode of God it might be like a disclaimer before we even start the episode don't watch if you're fucking triggered <laughs> really? about religious yeah. shit because I will go in on it and God is our bad person for the week yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know where I am now because <laughs> I've just gone off on one um so as i was right so we, all right okay let's stay with religion because this is actually perfect now religion was a big part of the lives for of slaves um quotes masters i don't like using that term but yeah it's just a term that's used masters would use the bible to justify their enslavement of others encouraging slaves to learn stories in the bible that talk about bondage while slaves tended to focus on stories of like exodus where moses freed slaves from egypt yeah all the story of David and Goliath overcoming overwhelming odds. Yeah. Um, slaves were forbidden to read uh, and learn to write that kind of shit so that they don't read the Bible too much. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know that story, you know that passage, that's cool, you know the Bible, and then they'll be like, oh, God, the Bible, I know that story, but they don't know much else that's in it. Whereas, like, the, quote, masters are using, well, look, the Bible justifies me enslaving all you people. Unfortunately, that's just how it is. But here, like... Yeah, and it's like don't read it but a lot of them did a lot yeah. of them learned to read themselves there's quite a lot of black pastors that went out uh, and were like this bible shit says that we don't have to be in fucking bondage and all this sort of stuff and yeah, yeah that, there was like mini mini under rumblings rebellions and stuff like that happening through religion so you know in some sense it was kind of good but it also did justify slavery to some point so work work for slaves was generally back breaking and usually lasted from sun up to sundown. Most slaves worked in agriculture, cultivating things like cotton, tobacco, and were watched by an overseer or another slave. They would be called a driver. Django plays that part in the movie. Yeah, you know when they're going to Calvin Candies. Like them. Yep, the other slaves are not too keen on that guy, as as they say in Django. And yeah, and he's just like shatting them, having a go and that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's necessarily the case in real life. If they had that, maybe if you're in it for long enough and you start getting given some sort of power you get privileges yeah you know like you want um, to keep hold of those privileges we spoke about it with uh vital piwetsky's episode about uh some uh higher up jewish, jewish yeah, in the guys who then started selling other yeah. jews out to the nazis and because stuff like that because they, they would... started getting favors but then they ended up getting put in it and all yeah so it's like people get i suppose you know inflated it's egos just, and shit it you, happens i suppose you just deal what you can to you do what you can to survive you, maybe yeah. that's what it is yeah absolutely right um the overseer would threaten to whip slaves who didn't work fast enough. And it's really important to not forget the brutality that slaves faced on a daily basis and how humans could justify it becoming normal to them. To, like, not flinch at their levels of racism at that time is just insane. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you can justify beating, whipping, enslaving a human. Do you genuinely believe that morally that's all right? But this, and that's the thing. They did. Yeah. Some did. And I I find that crazy. Like, it's like, um, it's not like, but hunting, right? There are some places hunting is okay. Yeah. You can do it. You can go and take your rifle and shoot a deer yeah. and then go and eat it. But just because you can, should you? Yeah. That's a, that's a big moral question, just because you can, should you? And that's, I think that's it with the slavery. It's it's such a big moral thing. It's like, okay, just because your time period allows you to, yeah. should you? 
and I don't think I often, I often have this thought, like, me and you are both, like, white blokes. If we were born in that time to a family on a plantation and we had slaves, what would... Would we think the same? Yeah, like... Do you know what? I think we would. I think we'd grow... Like, as horrible... I'd, I'd love to sit here and say, no, I'd be against it. I'd campaign against it. But you can't... I can't say that. Exactly. And we've, and we've said that before with previous episodes where we're looking at it from a 21st century perspective yeah. where that kind of shit would be abhorrent. Because we're both, like, liberal people. So even in today's world, we're still, like, to the left. So, like, maybe we do have that instinct of mm. fairness. Yeah. Because we're still fucking cunts nowadays. But... I don't know, man. It's, uh, you're a product of your environment, aren't you? I think they're right there. Because like, even um, George Washington, he's yeah. like one of the greatest Americans of all time, even though he's British. Um, <laughs> but like, he had slaves at some point in his life, I believe. Yeah. I imagine I imagine so. Yeah. Like Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves and he did some other bad yeah. shit. Well, Abraham Lincoln's an interesting one. And we kind of not talk about him, but he crops up in this story in that he was all for like, you know, freeing slaves and they're not being slaves. But he was like, they can't be citizens of the US. He'd rather they'd fucked off back to Africa. Yeah. That was his intention. He would, he would rather they'd fucked off back to Africa. It's like, well, some of them aren't from there. Some of them are born Americans now. Like, this has been happening for centuries. They are American as much as you are. Yeah. And it's I mean, like, we have that in the fucking now, don't we, with the uh, deportations to Jamaica at right, the minute. Right, yeah. So we've got people being deported to Jamaica. We people that weren't here. even fucking born there. They're born in the UK. It's crazy. Yeah. The world never fucking learns. It just gets better at hiding things. Yeah, man. So, uh, back to this. Uh, some slaves had quotas and uh, to work towards. And if they were met, some of them had free time. But not like, you know, we know. They're not just chillaxing, playing yeah. PlayStation and shit. Uh, slaves would head back home uh, to their quarters. That was their home. Yeah. Um, and usually would have a family to look after. So, family was a huge part of life. It was like a way of keeping going. Yeah. It was like your way of justifying your own existence in this shit world. Yeah. Um having something to to live, fight or in some cases die for. Um many slaves married. Minty was one of them. She married a man called John Tubman, which is where she gets that Mary name Tubman. from. Right, okay. Uh John, he was a uh free man unlike Minty. Mhm. I believe he was born free as well, so he never knew slavery. Oh, really? He okay. was never there was, yeah, so particularly in Maryland, there's like a like a big swathe of the population are born free yeah, and don't know slavery. They know yeah. the racism. They deal with that shit every day, yeah. but they don't know what it's like to be enslaved like Minty who was born into it. Okay. Uh, and also they had a really weird law where if you say were a, a free man and you married a slave woman, if you had any children, the children passed through the female line and became slaves as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, sneaky. And um, it'd be the same the opposite way. So if a a man was a slave and the woman was free, uh, they would follow the female line and right, they'd okay. be free as well. So it, it it's weird. I don't know how they managed to justify that or even come up with that, but that's how it was. Right. So yeah, um, he was a free man. We don't know much about how they got together, but we know that he had part-time jobs, which is cool, right? Yeah. And was not to be, he was not exactly an upbeat person like Minty was, right? She was like full of energy, like laughter and all this sort yeah. of shit, singing like all that sort of shit he's not kind of like he's kind of a bit cold and a bit distant and whatever cool. now it was known for slaves to obviously said earlier buy their freedom with when enough money had been saved up um, and then I sort of go on to how you know children followed the path of the mother legally um, 
this generally took decades to buy your freedom but was doable and i believe that that was the plan for john and harriet who were now going to call because she changed her name after she was married from minty to harriet she cool. took her mother's name of harriet uh, and then had her husband's name of tubman and that was the name she had for the rest of her life she'd now become the first person that we're going to talk about today so after a few years of marriage in 1849 harriet decided to make a run for it to freedom her owner and head of the Brodus family, Edward Brodus, was in the process of trying to sell Harriet, which would rip her apart from her family and her husband. Now, he saw no more value in her with her continuing health issues from her head injury. Uh, she would pray to God every day in the hope that she would not be sold. This wasn't working, though. There were still people coming. They were still looking at her. There was still kind of interest. He still wanted to sell her. So yeah. the prayers changed. The prayer changed. So... If uh, if God couldn't stop him selling her, can God kill him? Right. Okay. That's how the prayers changed. It was now that um, kill Edward Brodus. If you can't stop him selling me, kill him. Coincidentally, he did. He died a week later. Oh fuck. Yeah, he died a week later, which is probably a good thing for Harriet now. But she won't be. Hmm, She's not just off. Just because there's no one to sell it doesn't mean that they're not going to get sold kind of thing. Yeah. Okay? The widow of Edward, she was still keen on selling slaves. Like, they were in a bit of debt. They needed to make some money back. The idea would be to sell slaves, get some money back, yeah. recuperate your losses. She was still keen on it. And when Harriet heard that she was still going to go ahead with these plans, she began making preparations to run away. The idea was that her husband would join her, but he was having absolutely none of it. And I don't get why. I don't. Maybe it's because he's a free man. Yeah. There's no no need to take the risk. Yeah. He's already got his freedom. It means nothing to him, almost. Yeah. Whereas, like, for Harriet, it's everything. Yeah. I don't know. But he was having none of it. He didn't want to do it. Uh, one night, she and two of her brothers just made a run for it. They were just going to go. Slaves knew that the North was a safe haven for ex-slaves. Yeah. Now, the nearest state to Harriet was Pennsylvania. Um, there, Philadelphia was waiting for her. Yeah. If they could reach Philadelphia, they would be safe. While on escape, a wanted poster was put out for Harriet and her brothers with a reward of $100 for each one brought back. Now, this spooked her brothers who wanted to turn back. I believe one of the brothers had a wife and kids and yeah. was like, it's not worth the risk. I've got to go back. Like, I'm going to go. Harriet wasn't keen on the idea, but you know they managed to convince her. So the idea, she walked back with them. Now, this bit gets a little hazy. Um, have you heard of the Underground Railroad? Yeah. I hadn't for some reason. I don't know why I had never heard of it. So I've only just learned this while recording, uh, researching for this episode. It's a series of routes known to a few leading in several directions to free states out of the slave states in the south. They were founded over generations of slaves making their escape and recording the routes that were taken. Slaves had heard about this, so following the North Star, Harriet made her way, primarily under the cover of darkness. It's a dangerous journey, very little provisions like food and water. Generally, no sense of direction, knowing only the farms and the plantations they'd lived and worked on. Who do you trust? You know, there are those out there, even in the slave states, who denounce slavery and are friends of those wishing to escape. But how do you find out who they are without risk being caught? You know, you're just you're you're a slave trying to make your escape. You know there are people out there who would help you, 
but how the fuck do you find them unless yeah. they come to you? Yeah, you need to know who to trust. Exactly. Um, well, Harriet took the risk and accepted help from a white woman who luckily helped her by giving her two names and a route to follow, leading her to another safe house. Harriet said that she believed this woman to be a Quaker and that she wouldn't be far off in guessing so. See, Quakers are a Christian sect believed that, believing that all humans are equal and worthy of respect. The religion itself actually banned the owning of slaves in 1776, which like is a hell of a long time before yeah. everyone else. Like, yeah, absolutely. Now, less than two dec- decades later, they began to petition the US government to abolish slavery. They're like one of the few that are doing this. Yeah. Their cause for equality for all men didn't just stop with petitioning. They were big players helping slaves escape to freedom and were active in the Underground Railroad. Harriet made it to the next safe house. The woman on the house asked her to you know, sweep the house. This was a cover, basically. It was like, yeah. make it look like I own you. Yeah. I'm sorry, I really don't want you to do this. I'm happy for you to like do whatever, but it just makes more sense. Like, Just sweep the fucking front yard. It looks better that way. Yeah. Uh, and the idea was that they'd wait for the husband to come back. And once the husband came back, he had a wagon and then loaded Harriet onto the wagon. And then at night time, they went out. Yeah. Um, this is also quite a scary time. So not only are you uh, not knowing where you're going, you're not knowing who to trust, you're just literally putting everything, you're putting your whole life in these people. You've now got slave catchers chasing you as well. Yeah. These people are like bounty hunters, essentially. They're like, they'll go out and find you. So that's got to be fucking scary, man. Now, eventually she made it to Pennsylvania, which is when she realized... Well, so when she realized she'd crossed the border, she said at that time, quote, I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came over like gold through the trees and over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven. And that's crazy, man. Harriet, yeah, okay. State lines can do that. Yeah, li- literally, that's what's crazy about America. State lines. You could, you could at one point cross a state line, and the other one's got fuck all, do you? I mean, it's the same now, isn't it? Like there are some states, yeah. So- they're like ways. some states have laws that you can do something, and then in the other one you yeah don't do it. Yeah. That's crazy. And like, if you commit a crime, and then like cross a state line, then it's suddenly a federal offence. I think so. Yeah. So they can always get you, but it never used to be the case. Because that's how Manson got caught because he started crossing state lines. Yeah, but that's how they used to do it before. Even then, they'd just like um, what's his face, fucking Bonnie and Clyde. They mm. just cross a state line. Yeah. Or they do a crime in another state and then fuck off back home. Yeah. You can't get you can't get caught that way because a lot a lot of them didn't even speak to each other like counties didn't chat to each other. Yeah. So it's like. I don't know what the fuck's going on. We've had a crime here. And then someone in the other state's just like, you've had the same one. Don't fucking tell that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Harriet Tubman was a free woman. She's done it. She took on odd jobs that actually paid and saved herself some money. But all the time she was thinking about her family. She might be free, but her family was still in enslavement. She said, quote, my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and friends were in Maryland, but I was free and they should be free. She decided that her family needed to experience what it was like to be free. So she began to hatch a plan to go back to Maryland and bring her family with her. Now this needed to be done relatively quickly too, because December 1850, she heard word that her niece, Kasaya, uh, and her two children were to be sold. Plans altered and she rushed to rescue Kasaya and her children. She made it to a safe house owned by her brother-in-law, and her by this point, her niece was already at auction. Now, luckily, Kaziah's 
husband, John Bowley, he was a free black man. He put in the highest bid for his wife and managed to buy her. Oh, nice. Which okay. was fucking, that's good, man. Yeah. Um, they then ran to the nearest safe house who provided them with a long canoe and then John began the long 60-mile row to Baltimore <sighs> with me. his family to meet Harriet who then walked them all the way to Philadelphia. So he's rode 60 miles in a little canoe. Yeah. And I looked it on Google Maps. It's a fucking big gap. Yeah. Like, it's huge. Um, It's 60 miles. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Big, big, big gap. But also, I did this, right? I have to admit, like, Harriet's doing this all on foot. Harriet's getting places practically by foot. Yeah, there's your carriage here and now, like, your wagon and shit. Yeah. Primarily by foot, primarily at night with very little provisions to just go as quickly as possible. This shit, America's huge, man. America's fucking huge. It's a large place. Right. So, I looked on Google Maps. This journey uh, from uh, Baltimore to Philadelphia, non-stop, mm. should take two days. In a, uh, Walking. Walking. Right. Two days, right? That's not including stopping at safe houses during the day. Yeah. Um... This time she's got, but but this time yeah, she's she's got to go further. Sorry, I looked this up right. So it's two days from Maryland to Philadelphia, where yeah. she was originally when she escaped. That's two days, Maryland to Philadelphia. She's now got to go from Baltimore, which is the other side of this bay, right, up to Philadelphia. Right, okay. that's an extra two days on top. Right. Uh, with uh, wait, no, it's not. She's now also got four passengers. So, like I say, non-stop by foot. This should take three days. Right. But like I said, she's then got to stop in safe houses every single day during daylight hours. Yeah. This shit's going to take weeks. Yeah. Nearly like weeks. Dangerous shit as well, man. Mm. You've got kids as well. Yeah, fucking Scary hell. shit. Now, not content with saving just her niece, in the spring of 1851, she headed back to Maryland. She was going to free her brothers and she did it. She also managed to free two other slaves and made it back to Philly. She was getting confident now who to save next? John Tubman, her husband. Yeah. Get the husband out, okay? He was he was not having it the first time, but there's a shitload of risk, maybe. Yeah. She's now done the journey. She's got a job. She's got a bit of money. She knows the route. The risk is now minimal, Yeah. okay? Harriet had saved money from her jobs that she was working. She then bought herself... Well, she didn't buy it for herself. She bought her husband a suit. She bought him a suit that she was going to have him wear. Like, once you get freedom, I've got you a suit. Like, yeah. Like, to be honest with you, she's been away for like a couple of years at this point uh, in Philadelphia. She's been away for a couple of years. She's been saving money. She's been grafting, whatever. And she's still thinking about her husband. And mm. she's she's gone out her way to buy him a suit. Like, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, like, that's sure. love. Like, it, it, I think that's love. Even if it's not love, she's just super fucking kind. Right? Yeah. She bought him a suit and made her way back south to the place where she first escaped from. Now, I can only imagine how this would have felt for her heading back to the place where you escaped from to find your husband had left you a few years previous, okay? Well, she made it and she found him, but he wasn't. it wasn't the happy reunion that we all want. Mm. Uh, he had moved on and had married another person. Right, fuck. Yeah, yeah, he'd married another Harriet was close to completely making a fucking scene about it all, but she she tried to convince John instead and was like, "Look, come on, leave the bitch. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's go to Philadelphia. I've bought you a suit. Like, come on. Like, this is love. This is." Um, he was having none of it. No, 
and she left him to it and found other slaves instead who'd rather leave. Fair enough. And they escaped back to Philadelphia. But can you imagine how fucking heartbreaking that must have been? Yeah, to, oh, after you've spent all two years thinking about it. You've spent literally years working hard, grafting, you bought a suit, you bring it to the husband, you're like, right, come on, let's do it. You find it's fucking married. Yeah. He's moved on. You don't give a fuck. Fucking scary, Strange man. Guy. I hate that. That's horrible, man. I could, I wouldn't want to feel that. So, slaves escaping is becoming such a problem for slaveholders as legally speaking, slaves were the property of the slave owner, and anyone escaping or helping other slaves escape is legally stealing from them. Yeah. Now, for this reason, the fugitive slave law was brought in. Even in free states like Pennsylvania, slaves who had made their escape were not safe, okay? They needed a new place to settle. So anyone, if you were if you were an ex-slave, if you were a slave and you've escaped, even on your own, and you're now sitting pretty in Pennsylvania, you can now have slave catchers go up there and be like, no, you were from my farm. Yeah. You get fucked back. Yeah. You might have made life in that, but they were like, no, nah, get back. And that was the new law that's kind of what was allowed mm. there was a whole like there was a whole like rift between the slave states and the free states like what would what would in the civil war become the confederates and the south yeah. that kind of shit yeah. there was a bit of like butting heads between them all and they yeah. were like that was their way of cooling it down a bit uh, okay. the north was like okay fine whatever uh, if you lost slaves if they're in the north you can have them back that kind of shit yeah so yeah it's not it's not safe enough just to go north the border we need to go somewhere else. We need to go further north. And where's further north? America's hat, Canada. Yeah. Okay. And in Canada, in particular, southern Ontario. That was the perfect option. So Canada, at that time, was part of the British Empire and had a st- and it had completely abolished slavery with yeah. the rest of the empire at the time. Except for India, for some reason. <laughs> so it was, the, it was the safest and nearest place to head to. This added another few days onto the already dangerous journey. Now, we're now talking couple of weeks to get there yeah um although i suppose it's a little bit safer you're traveling through free states but you're yeah. also running the risk of the fact that the new law says even you're not allowed to be in free states yeah there are people out to catch you and they could make some money out of it so it's potential there to be caught so harriet helped along with other uh, they were called conductors of the underground railroad these are people that um helped uh, with safe houses or uh, helped with routes and knew the way. Yeah. Uh, they made a route to Canada. Harriet's routes were dangerous. She only travelled during winter when the nights were at their longest and the days were at their shortest and when people in particular stayed inside more. Yeah. Which was Makes genius. Sense. That's yeah. smart. She always made sure to pick up her passengers on Saturday night as Sunday was the Lord's Day. Yeah. The day of rest. Okay. Um slave owners were unlikely to notice missing slaves on the Sunday they'd likely notice them on the Monday when they did roll call of sorts which gave them uh, a great head start yeah so she knows the shit she knows it's like, like, like prison get out she just knows the fucking the routine yeah. and all that sort of stuff and she's really using that to her advantage so she would often go in disguises particularly uh, to places near the farm where she'd escaped from um on one occasion, she wore a bonnet and carried two chickens in her arms as if to look like she was busy doing chores. Now, when someone approached or tried to talk to her, she would, like, pinch the chicken or bother it so it would start going, rah, 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 start going mental. And she'd like, oh, God, and run away. Yeah. That kind of shit to get away from it. Yeah. She's, she's clever, man. She's, she's fucking smart, man. Um, she'd also 
this was the bit that I was a bit like, oh wow. And we're now gonna, and then I'm gonna ask you a question. She would also drug children for fear of them crying. So like almost put them to sleep, right, for the journey. Mm. Which I was a bit like, okay, that makes sense. Practically, yeah. But it's like, I know there were stories of like, um, in during the Holocaust of like mothers just smothering the babies, yeah, like under floorboards because they're about to cry or something, and they'd like smother the baby to stop them crying, but then they'd like die or something, yeah. you know. Um, I was a bit like, mm, okay, and like someone come up to me and they were like, oh, you're in like a, you're in a closet. There's people fucking looking for you. They're going to kill you if they find you. You've got your baby. The baby's about to start fucking crying. Do you kill it or not? It's like, um, I don't That's want to have mad, to. Mad questions just come out of us. I want them. Literally. That, that was from my university lecturer. I was like, I'm just studying acting. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, I suppose for Harriet Tubman, if it worked, it worked. And if the infants were fine. I'm sure, yeah. I mean, if the, if the kids were fine. Because go if they for, all got caught, then they're all fucked. And that was it. That was it. It was like, listen, hun. Your kid might die, but at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not getting this all caught. Yeah. It's not happening. And this goes further, all right? So, so, one of her most important pieces of equipment was a revolver. Yeah. She carried this with her on every journey she took. Makes sense, right? You've got slave catchers sneaking around looking for you. you got protection. Yeah. But this gun was not just for them. This gun was for uh, whipping out if any of the slaves that she's trying to escape get cold feet mm. and want to run back and she'd point the gun at their head and be like right you go on quotes you go on or die fair because she was not about to fucking risk everyone being captured just because one fucker was getting a bit too scared yeah. she was like you either come scared or you die here yeah that was the rules that was the options nice and she never lost one fair well so yeah, yeah I'd be like well Fuck it, may as well chance it then. Yeah, they made it to Canada several days later. Harriet became so prolific at helping slaves escape, she got the nickname Moses after the guy from the story of Exodus, yeah. okay? In late 1850s, she finally got her last family members out of Maryland. Her mother and father, who on a stolen wagon, got them out and onto Canada. Nice. The slave owners had no idea it was Harriet all along doing this. They just, they never assumed that that girl would be able to do that. They yeah. assumed it was white abolitionists yeah. helping out, like Quakers and whatnot. Now, uh, there is a rumour that a bounty of like $40,000 was put on her capture um, or for the capture of uh, Black Moses, as it they were sort of right. named. Um, but it, it's so unlikely that this amount of money was offered up because that is a staggeringly large amount of money even then. Yeah. It's like... Um, media would be all over that. They'd be like, yeah. there's $40,000 for like this woman who's freeing slaves, da, 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 or this person who's freeing slaves. For instance, for uh, for reference as well, John Wilkes Booth, the guy who shot Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. he was only offered $50,000 for his capture. And he... He shot a president. Yeah. Like, he shot a president. Yeah, fuck, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's very unlikely that $40,000 was offered up. So she did this for several years and was so successful on the Underground Railroad. Uh, this is a quote from her. On my underground railroad, I never run my train off the track and I never lost a passenger. Damn, nice. man, fucking cool. Um, oh, what's that over there? Boom. It's the American Civil War. Yeah. That's <laughs> North against South. Abraham Lincoln, Robert E. Lee, Gettysburg. Double O Harriet Tubman is active and on the case, okay? That's right. 
during the American Civil War, Harriet served the Unionist armies as a uh, uh, the Unionist armies of the North as a nurse, a cook, and a spy. Nice. This story's long, but she's got an interesting fucking story, man. Yeah. She was working under a guy called Colonel James Montgomery and used her knowledge of the Southern landscape to her advantage. She knew this shit well. Mm. She was disguising herself uh, and wandering behind enemy lines, gathering information from slave informants, all looking to gain freedom or money in exchange for the information. Yeah. Smart fucking use, yeah. man. Like, use that. She'd also worked in what are called contraband camps, which were ran by the Unionist armies holding escaped slaves for safety. Yeah. Uh, what she'd do, she would recruit these people to be informants yeah. and almost sort of like send them back. Be like, look, we will free you at some point. Kind of go back. Yeah. And be used as an informant. These informants were a huge help. They were able to reveal locations of gunpowder being stocked by the Confederate armies. And on the 1st of June in 1863... She, alongside Colonel Montgomery, led 300 black soldiers to uh, to raid rice plantations in the South Carolina. They burned buildings and freed more than 700 slaves doing this. This makes her the first woman in US history to plan and lead a military operation, which is mad. Mm. Harriet continued to serve, but for some reason was only paid $200 for her service. Yeah. She did a mad job as well. So after the war... Harriet returned to her home in, um, I'm going to say Auburn, A-U-B-U-R-N. Yeah. Yeah. She returned to her home in Auburn, New York, which she'd bought to be a safe haven for slaves, uh, New York being a free state. Yeah. Her world isn't all roses, though. Um, she may be free and living in a country that has now at this point abolished slavery, but racism is still alive and is an everyday occurrence. Yeah. On a train home... War hero Harriet was sat in her carriage when the conductor told her to move to the smoking carriage. She refused, showing a government-issued paper that allowed her to be there, but he was having none of it. And he got other passengers to grab her and throw her into the smoking carriage. Um, she, even, she she actually broke an arm in that exchange. Yeah. Fucking disgusting, man. Went back home. She went back to working odd jobs to support her family and elderly parents. Considering the heroics she performed in her lifetime, she never received compensation from the government, and particularly as black soldiers were offered less money than white soldiers, it was hard to track the records. Yeah. They went that fucking fast. This is fucking wrong, man. Uh, looking after her parents and former slaves who came to her meant she was always skint, like proper skint. Mm. She was falling behind and into debt at risk of losing her home which is obviously now a safe haven for people to come to. She'll look after you. She'll give you your last penny if she's got it. Yeah. She began to take in lodgers to help pay the bills, including one man called Nelson Charles Davis. He was a Civil War veteran in the 8th United States Colored Infantry Division. He was 20 years Harriet's junior, but that did not mean shit. They hit it off and married in 1869. Harriet's nearly 70 at this point. Like, wow, okay. She's a fox, man. Yeah. Um, in the same year... Sarah Hopkins Bradford uh, released a book called Scenes in the Life of Harriet Tubman. Um, Bradford donated $1,200 of the income of the book to help Harriet. Um, and her friends from the abolitionist days also pulled their resources to help out as much as they could. Mm -hmm. So Harriet's money troubles caused her to take risks later on in life. 
Two young men came to her saying they had unearthed a cache of gold in South Carolina worth $5,000. They were willing to give it to her for $2,000. Harriet at first was suspicious of the two, but she did know that wealthy people buried their fortunes during the Civil War and that young black men were often put on digging duties. Mm. Desperation took the lead on this one and she agreed. She borrowed the $2,000 from her friend and went to meet the two men when they attacked her, knocked her out with chloroform, bound and gagged her and left her in the forest. Right. When she was found by her family and the story broke out, New York was pissed. And good, so it fucking should be. Yeah. Her story began to make the headlines again and the injustice that she had suffered from the government did not go down very well. After a lengthy back and forth, the government offered Harriet eight pounds a month pension. Eight dollars. <laughs> right. It's a little bit more. Not a lot, though, is it? Eight dollars a month pension after her husband had died, plus five hundred dollars lump sum and a twenty dollar a month pension for her service in the Civil War. But her role as a spy was never officially recognised. That was the deal. Okay. Harriet did not just stop with the abolition, the the abolishment of slavery. She was a voice in the women's suffrage cause. She often spoke publicly about women having equal rights as men, using her own life and experience as that to equal any of any that of any man. She's like, all the shit I've done is... So, some of the shit I've done in my life is more than what a bloke has done in his life. And he gets better treatment for just being a bloke. Yeah. Crazy. Now, forever devoted to her religion, she was heavily involved in the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church. That's a fucking mouthful. Yeah, but yeah. She helped the church open a home for the aged and in, in and indigent coloured people. Um, she would eventually become a resident of that home that she had become that she had helped open because she became too frail. She'd had brain surgery after her seizures began to get worse with age. This seemed to help a little. Um, but in 1913, Harriet Tubman died of pneumonia, surrounded by her friends and family. Her last words were, quote, I go to prepare a place for you. She was buried with semi-military honours. And that is Harriet Tubman. Bloody hell. That was a long one, wasn't it? What a story. Yeah, man. What a fucking crazy story. That woman is a fucking inspiration. Yeah, she really... I Honestly, like, I've heard the name, but I never knew what she did. Yeah, that that's mental. She she kicked ass. Well, that's been a fucking roller coaster. Mm. Um, I hope you guys have learnt something about Harriet Tubman. I definitely have. Oh, I certainly did researching that. It was insane what what she's been up to. Um, but yeah, thank you, uh, Harriet Tubman, for being the cool fucking person you were and what you did, because that's brilliant. And I'm and and I'm sure that like there were others. Uh, who did brilliant stuff as well. Yeah, I'm sure there's countless stories. During this area, countless yeah. stories. Um, but yeah, she's the one that we've picked up on. So yeah, that was Harriet Tubman. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about who, James? Uh, we'll go Walt Disney next week. Damn, we're going with Walt Disney. Bit of a change. Is he good, is he bad? We don't know. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I'm going to say good because I'm going to Disneyland soon. It is good. I do touch on, on the negative aspects, but honestly, like I think they're all over-exaggerated. I think there's a lot of over-exaggeration with him, yeah. Uh, okay, right. So next week we have uh, Mr. Walt Disney. This week's been Harriet Tubman. Apologies for the delay, everyone. Um, our schedules have just com- completely fucked in the last month, which meant we had to push back recording. 
Um, so uh, we appreciate you guys waiting and I hope it's been worth it. We did try to get a big episode out for you guys uh, for waiting. And you delivered. And I think so, yeah. How long have we been recording? How long hour is this? 10. Damn, this is an hour 10. Um, so yeah, enjoy that, guys. Uh, make sure you hit us up on the socials. Follow us on Instagram. That's what people do podcast. Hit us on um, Facebook with That's What People Do. Twitter, That's What People Do. Um, if you can't find us for whatever reason, just put on Twitter and Facebook uh, in the uh, address link, That's WPD, and it will go straight to the page. Uh, and yeah, just send us an email if you wanted to. If you have a person that you would like us to talk about, you'd be like, this person's really great. I wish they'd talk about that person. Hit us up with an email at that's what people do podcast at gmail.com. That's that bit done. That's the homework done. And uh, yeah, I suppose we'll see you next week. Smashed it. Farewell. Bye.